Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Repeating, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. Prophet of the Airwaves, welcome to Radio Free Canada News Notes and Opinions from the Underground for Wednesday, June the 8th in the year of our Lord 2022. Anyone else hearing rumors that the travel mandate may be lifted on trains by the end of this month? I keep hearing this. I've heard this from uh, two, maybe three, I'm trying to remember. Two, I guess, two friends who texted me the other day. Now, this is not verified, it's a rumor. But at this point, I'll take a rumor. It's some hope. And if it's true, is this the beginning of the end of the mandate madness? If the mandates are lifted on trains, then it makes even less sense to keep the mandates in place for air travel. Not that the mandates for air travel ever made sense. Again, it's just an unsubstantiated rumor. Maybe wishful thinking. Uh, If you've heard anything more about this, shoot me an email. Richard at Saga960am.ca Richard at Saga960am.ca So last week I played this clip from a documentary film produced by conservative commentator, blogger, uh, sorry, podcaster Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire. The film is called What is a Woman? And it's, uh, I guess it's the question that we're not allowed to ask, although I do ask it all the time on this program. Uh, The documentary... Uh, is, is one they don't, they, the left, they don't want you to see it. Again, it's available at the Daily Wire. And Matt goes on this somewhat comical and yet deeply disturbing journey as he uh, questions the logic behind 
this gender ideology movement that has taken uh, aim at women and children. I want to play that clip for you once again, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Male gametes. That's what makes me male. No, your, your sperm don't make you male. Then what does? It's a constellation. In reality, in truth, okay? Whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. No, you're not listening. If I, if I see a chicken laying eggs and I say that's a female chicken laying eggs, did I assign female or am I just observing a physical reality that's happening in the world? Does a chicken have gender identity? Does a chicken cry? Well, Does chi- a chicken commit suicide? Let's frame it because you're talking, you're trying. A chicken to, has sex like any, like any biological organism. A chicken has organism. an assigned gender, but a chicken doesn't have a gender identity. So we assign female to chickens when they lay eggs? That's a, we that's, assume they're female if they lay eggs. Oh, boy. Uh, your sperm doesn't make you male. It's a constellation. Anyway, this uh, documentary, again, available at The Daily Wire, and I strongly urge you to watch it. Now, The Daily Wire was the victim of a malicious hack when the film debuted, uh, what was it, uh, June 1st, a week ago. So now, predictably, Matt Walsh, whom you just heard in that clip, says he's receiving death threats. Walsh said police have been notified of the death threats made against him following uh, the June 1st release of this documentary. What is a woman? He writes, there have been some explicit threats made against my life. And the, uh, he's a Catholic. The Catholic conservative commentator wrote in a Monday tweet, police are involved. We knew it would probably come to this. We're prepared for it. In a quote tweet responding to the initial message, Walsh's wife signaled her support for her husband, noting that they would not, quote, cower from threats. She called it threat bingo. Let's go. Do they think we would cower? Speak the truth and have faith, she said. So the radical left are not used to being intellectually challenged. They're not used to the pushback. They're used to going on the legacy media and being treated deferentially. And they have all of the institutions on their side, everything going in their direction. They've intimidated corporate North America. So corporations have rolled over, not because they believe in the narrative, in any of the progressive narratives necessarily. Some people may within these corporations, but by and large, they roll over not because they believe in the narrative, but because they're worried about offending anyone and how that might impact their bottom line. So when conservatives finally grew a spine, and found their voice, or simply decided it was time to push back, the radical left had this collective conniption fit. And once exposed, the progressive left has begun to lash out violently. So we have the death threats against Matt Walsh. That's just one example, one small example. The other example has to do with one man's plan to kill U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. This man armed with a gun, knife, burglary tools arrested near Kavanaugh's home in Maryland after admitting to police officers he intended to kill Kavanaugh. A spokesman for the Federal District Court in Maryland identified the man as Nicholas John Rosky, or Rosk, a 26-year-old uh, from Simi Valley, California. And he'll appear before Magistrate Judge Timothy Sullivan, well, right about now, actually. He's before the judge. He made it, he, the man made it clear he was upset with the Supreme Court's leaked draft opinion to scrap Roe versus Wade. So this is just the beginning of what promises to be a 
violent summer. Again, when things are not going the way the radical left want, they riot, they burn cities to the ground, they loot, they intimidate, they terrorize. And yet, and yet, the legacy media would like you to believe that right-wing domestic terrorists are the greatest threat to the United States right now. Right, like parents speaking up at school board meetings against critical race theory and gender ideology and grooming. So they've been framed as the right as right-wing terrorists, that domestic terrorists as the greatest threat. This is so the Biden administration and to some extent up here too so they can be used well in the US so that the Biden administration can use the FBI and the Justice Department and Congress and can use the January 6th Capitol Hill hearings to go after Trump supporters and conservatives. Uh, Do I have time for this? I think I can squeeze this in. Someone posted this on Twitter today. It's from an episode of The X-Files. Do you remember The X-Files, Jacob? Did you ever watch that? Agent Scully and Fox Mulder. Here's FBI agent Scully, of course, played by the, uh, the lovely Gillian Anderson. Tad O'Malley has been making claims. Claims about what? You and everyone you know has a piece of DNA in your genome put there without your knowing it. Put there by whom? Well, that's the question of the day. This is an internet lunatic. You're not saying you believe him. Just hold on, Agent Einstein. You're talking to a scientist. Uh, forgive me, Assistant Director. It may sound insensitive, but the suggestion is pure science fiction. What I'm saying, Agent Einstein, is that the facts, as I understand them, cannot be discounted out of hand. No one has the right or the ability to tamper with your DNA. Unless we gave them that ability. When you say they're tampering with our DNA, that they're able to shut down our immune systems by the addition of something to our DNA. Yes, but I don't know how exactly. Or how it's being triggered. I don't know that either. Or why it's happening now. What can we possibly do? We need to act quickly. You were right about that. Well, I was wrong about the science. I was wrong about what's causing it. Dead wrong, in fact. But it's clearly a widespread failure of our immune systems. Through gene tampering. A virus within a virus that was put there through the smallpox vaccine. It's what these men are calling the Spartan virus. Whoa, put there through the smallpox vaccine. I mean, that's remarkable. When did the X-Files uh, air? Back in the uh, the late 90s, I guess, and early 2000s. And then they brought it back for a couple of seasons, 2016, 2017, something like that. I think this is from the, the later series in 2016. Now, some will say this is just really creative storytelling. Others will say it's an example of something called predictive programming. This is something I talk about in my other Incarnation, my other program, my weekend program. And predictive programming is a theory. I'm not saying that it's true. It's just a theory that the government or other high, uh, higher ups are using fictional movies, TV shows like The X-Files or books as a mass mind control tool to, to make the population more accepting of planned future events. And I'll let you decide which one of these is happening here. But it's eerie. Very eerie, wouldn't you say? Okay. Uh, it's Hey, it's day two of the new Declan Phillips regime. My new Chase producer, and Declan did a great job yesterday, and he's lined up another great show today. I guess he'll be taking the Edward R. Murrow Award home today. Uh, I'm going to uh, 
revisit a conversation from yesterday with the only black trustee on the Waterloo Regional District School Board, Michael Ramsey, who's been barred because, well, he's not woke enough. And uh, we'll also hear from Sue Ann Levy uh, from True North on that story. Art Moore from WND will be here to talk about still more vindication for Dinesh D'Souza's documentary film, 2000 Mules. Uh, The Cult of Climate Change with Tony Heller. Drew Allen will be here to talk about those death threats or that death threat. Singular, let's hope it stays that way, singular uh, death threat against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. But first, the Parliamentary Budget Office, no less, says Finance Minister Christia Freeland's long-term deficit reduction, reduction plan is not believable. Tom Korski from Black Locks Reporter is next. The Richard Saracho off and running for Wednesday, June the 8th. Facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Why won't they believe her? Finance Minister Chrystia Freeland wants you to know that she can take a 100 and almost 114 billion dollar federal deficit and reduce that to a mere 8.4 billion in just over five years. Why won't they believe that? The Parliamentary Budget Office, that is. Spiro Agnew would call them nattering nabobs of negativism. <laughs> what say you, Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter? How are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. So uh, the Parliamentary Budget Office said this is not believable. Um, what was the rationale? Why why can't we get from 114 billion down to 8.4 billion in a deficit in five years? Yeah, 93 percent reduction. Well, there's no evidence of the cuts. And the budget officer Yves Giroux, uh, this is a very strikingly plain speaking criticism of the finance minister. He's saying you haven't accounted for the promises you made in the 2021 election campaign. You haven't even accounted for that. And there's some programs that are not fully funded. When the budget officer testifies in Senate National Finance Committee, I do not find your plan credible. That's polite language for him telling the minister of finance of a G7 country, I don't believe you. I think you're making it up. That's very striking criticism. And it's worth paying attention, Richard. Right. I mean, Tom, have you ever heard that language from the parliamentary budget office before to uh, a cabinet minister? I have never heard that on a budget deficit plan, and I've never heard it from this budget officer on anything. You know what's interesting, Richard? In the last Trudeau cabinet, and I mean Trudeau the elder, we only found this out from confidential cabinet minutes that were disclosed only last year. The finance minister of the day was Mark Lalonde. He went into cabinet meetings. This is 1981-82, and his hair was on fire. He said, you guys are killing it out there. The the thing has hit the iceberg. You cannot run these deficits. I'm telling you, you're doing irreparable harm to the country and the nation's finances. You must stop. It got to the point that cabinet got fed up with his increasingly strident and dark warnings about what happens when you run deficit after deficit. What's my point, Richard? That's the finance minister's job. They mind the cash register. It's their job to do that. And here you have this finance minister being told to her face figuratively, no one believes your plan. 
Wow. Uh, two th- amazing things you said there. One, that, you know, a liberal finance minister back in the day, these were the old liberals, actually cared about deficits. And number two, that Mark Lalonde's hair was on fire because he didn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, those were the, that's what happens when you don't run a budget surplus for 20 years. Guess what? Under the current Finance Canada plan, they project they will we will go at least 20 years without a budget surplus without a balanced budget you're just asking for trouble wow and and freeland insists that we can get from 114 billion down to 8.4 billion by 2027 so according to the parliamentary budget office what would be required to to, to actually achieve that uh like spending promises and, and as they point out there are dozens and dozens of billion dollars spending promises from the last campaign or in the last budget rather but on top of that what would they have to do to actually achieve this uh, this this reduction uh, there's no magic uh, richard one of two things and ideally both start cutting and start taxing how are those for choices? Mm. But that's what happens. That's what happens when you run those deficits. It was established. It's an extraordinary statistic, but it's true. Parliament and the pandemic in two years outspent Parliament in World War II. That is a stark fact. That's how much we are in the hole. Raise taxes or cut services. That's the kids' future. You, you mentioned Mark Lalonde, and I, I don't know how many of the old guard liberals from the Paul Martin days and the Chrétien days, never mind John Turner, but, you know, Chrétien and Martin um, on, uh, still are kicking around Ottawa. And what they, if they ever talk to you, uh, you know, sort of informally or off the record about what they think of the new look liberals under under Justin? I think they, they uh, I, I'm not that close socially. I know the last one to really do the job on uh, uh, on putting the brakes on year over year over year deficit spending, Paul Martin. He he afterwards in retirement we spoke to him and he spoke to a lot of people. He said he, he talked about how hard it was. Mike Wilson, Mulroney's finance minister, who never balanced a budget, he said, "You have no idea what pressure I was under." And I became Doctor No. I didn't have a single friend in caucus. I would go into meetings. Everyone said, "Oh, there's Mike. He just wants to cut, cut, cut." And Wilson. God rest him, didn't have the guts to do it. Martin did. You do not make friends. If you don't like the heat, don't go into the kitchen and become finance minister. That's the moral of that lesson. Mm. Makes me miss the old liberals. <laughs> All right, Tom, as always, appreciate your, uh, your time and uh, your great work. Thank you kindly, Richard. Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. All right, we'll uh, come back and talk with uh, Drew Allen about this California man with a gun and a knife and burglary tools uh, who was intent on killing Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Back with that story right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Welcome back. A California man armed with a handgun, knife, and burglary tools was detained near the Maryland home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh earlier today after making threats against the Supreme Court Justice. The man has been identified as Nicholas John Roski or Rosk, 26 of Simi Valley, California. He's being charged with attempted murder of a federal judge. And uh, Roski called 911 outside of Kavanaugh's home and told the dispatcher he was suicidal and wanted to give his life meaning by killing the justice, according 
to the FBI. Here to discuss further is Drew Allen, political analyst, columnist, author, and host of the Drew Allen Show podcast. Hey, Drew, welcome back. How are you? Hey, Richard. Good to be with you. Another day to discuss. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It gets worse every day, doesn't it? Well, you know, the uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and I want to get into this a little bit uh, later, if time permitting, with you, and that is, uh, you know, they've issued this National Terrorism Advisory uh, System Bulletin, and they're basically hinting that uh, we're, we're going to be entering into this, and I think they call it an environment of increasing threats, meaning violence, threats of violence, actual violence. And, of course, they want to paint this narrative that, you know, the domestic terrorists in the United States are the, are the, uh, the Trump supporters and the parents who shows, show up at school board meetings. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, uh, we know the real perpetrators of, of violence, uh, Antifa and, and, and BLM and, you know, these unhinged uh, extremists um, on the, uh, the pro-abortion side. Now, not to not to mention, you know, there obviously there have been there have been some extremists on the other side, some incidents where you know uh, violence perpetrated against abortion uh, clinics and so forth. Uh, but now we're 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 actually seeing them come out and and threaten Supreme Court justices. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, this, this environment um, is not going anywhere uh, good, fast. And I'm glad you brought up, um, you know, Department of Homeland, Homeland Security there. That's right. Actually, it was yesterday, well, like you said, uh, the Biden administration issued a, a heightened warning against domestic terrorism threats. And, of course, that was in anticipation of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, and here we go. You know, truth is uh, a stranger than fiction here. And then the very next day, you have somebody who's a Californian who across state lines, right, as they like to, to point out, um, when it has to do with other situations, uh, ostensibly trying to murder a, a Supreme Court justice of the United States. And look, remember, I mean, uh, uh, when these people, not this individual, but when protesters were actually violating the law and they were going to the homes of these justices, the 
the, the justices that were preparing to vote to overturn Roe v. Wade and protesting outside their homes, uh, seeking to harass them and threaten them. Uh, in fact, that that action, um, the basis of it was encouraged by the Democratic Party, who actually encouraged harassment of uh, justices, who encouraged protesting uh, to get their way and to prevent this. I mean, that's the whole reason they leaked uh, somebody inside the Supreme Court leaked uh, the, the, the draft of the ruling that would show that this was going to take place to begin with. And the Democrats never come out hard and decry this. Um, if they do, they pay a lip service and say, you know, uh, yeah, we, we condemn acts of violence, but, you know, protest is part of this country's DNA. And it's very, very important. Unless, of course, you're in Canada protesting peacefully for freedom, in which case Justin Trudeau uh, sicks the police on you. Exactly. And then freezes your bank accounts. Um, well, even Jen Psaki, the former press secretary for Joe Biden, basically encouraged. Uh, now, she said peaceful, but protesting outside a Supreme Court justice's home is illegal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, no, no, it, it, it is. Yeah. So um, she was encouraging that. And then and we also had now I can't remember the issue here, but uh, Senator uh, Chuck um, Schumer on the, the steps of the Supreme Court saying, you know, looking back towards the doors of the Supreme Court and saying, you know, basically wag, wagging his finger at the justices and saying, you have unleashed a whirlwind and uh, indicating that there would be some kind of retribution. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember it. I've seen the video today to refresh my memory in case I could ever forget as well. And you know, this is what's so outrageous. You know, the American people in particular are being gaslit about where these acts of violence and the, um, you know, incitement of it's coming from. And they're the ones on record in video, to your point about Chuck Schumer, actually inciting these things. And they're never held accountable. And it's a dangerous threat to the country. They're the ones responsible for for the majority of it. Um, and, 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 you know, we're getting to a place in this country um, where, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a firebomb, you know, uh, ready to go off. I mean, to, to think that, I mean, this is very, very serious. I mean, I, I saw this story when it broke a few hours ago and I was actually pretty stunned. I mean, you have somebody going after trying to take the life of a justice, uh, of the Supreme court. I mean, this, this is pretty outrageous and can't be tolerated in America, but you know, I, I think it's worth pointing out, too, and you know the answer to this. Part of it's kind of rhetorical. But imagine if somebody with a gun and a knife uh, was going towards Nancy Pelosi's house, right, and did the same thing. What do you think the Democrat reaction would be? Exactly. Uh, or imagine what if Nancy Pelosi's husband was driving drunk? Uh, we'll get to that story next. Drew Allen stays with us. DrewAllen.substack.com is the website. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. Conservative commentator, columnist, author, and host of The Drew Allen Show is uh, with us. Drew Allen, that's Allen with an E, A-L-L-E-N, drewallen.substack.com. And uh, we were talking about the crazed Californian and his um, plan to murder U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, uh, because of this whole Roe versus Wade thing, uh, this was a, a leaked draft opinion from uh, Justice Alito, leaked on purpose, obviously, 
in order to rile up the left, and uh, this is the result. Plots and schemes and threats and attempted murder, uh, this time of uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Now, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi near the end. I don't know if you want to, if we can go back to the, um, the, uh, the Kavanaugh thing, if there's anything else you wanted to add to that before we move on to Nancy Pelosi and her husband, Paul. Did you want to go? Did you want to talk well, about let's do, now? Let's do this. No, let's let's hit Paul Pelosi and Nancy Pelosi. And maybe if we have time, we can circle back, as Jim Saki used to say, in honor of her uh, to the Kavanaugh thing. Um, uh, you know, this is very interesting to me because uh, your audience may not realize it. But I, I live uh, 10 miles from where this accident took place. I live in Napa Valley. I know exactly where Nancy Pelosi's house is. Uh, it's it's, you know, six miles uh, from where I live, from my own home. So. Um, uh, I'm very familiar with, with the, the landscape and what took place here. And, you know, Paul Pelosi, I mean, the, 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 look, you know, I read an article and Jesse Waters, you know, brought it up on his show. He kind of pointed out, you know, he was trying to draw attention to, to maybe their, their, the status of their, their marriage was not uh, in great shape either because he's going to these parties without Nancy. Now, I, I, that, that's valid if you want to try and point that out. Maybe they have a Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton arrangement going on. I don't know. But I think the only thing relevant here is what's really tearing this nation apart is the uh, the two tiered justice system, right? Right. So well, we he was drunk driving. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. So Paul Pelosi, yep. husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, he's eighty two. She's eighty. He's uh, he, she's across the country in Rhode Island doing a commencement speech at at Brown College, I believe, and uh, he's going to this dinner party. Uh, and basically what happens from there? He smashes into a, a Porsche, right? No, he smashes his Porsche into a Jeep. Yeah, it was a Jeep or a truck, but he was, uh, he was driving his Porsche from this event. He was drunk. He ran a red light. I mean, he ran a stop sign. Uh, he ran a stop sign. I know where the stop sign is. It's pretty clear. You, you can't miss it unless you're wasted out of your mind. Um, so, so he, he runs the stop, he runs the stop sign. And he plows into a, another vehicle. And I, I thank God uh, nobody was, was killed in the accident. Um, I think it's worth bringing up. And, um, uh, you know, Paul Pelosi, actually, uh, he, he is responsible for uh, the death of his older brother. In fact, when he was a kid, uh, a teenager, he was driving too fast in a car and got in a car wreck. And his brother died as a result. Um, so he was a reckless driver as a, as a young man as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't remember that that took place. But that took place as well. And, uh, of course, what's happened, as we've learned, is uh, the mugshots have been uh, hidden from the public side. Uh, no mugshots released. And uh, last I checked, uh, the charges against him have been dropped. I would like to point out that had I um, left one of these events, uh, one of these bars, one of these restaurants that I frequent, uh, intoxicated, and I ran a stop sign and plowed into a Jeep or a truck, uh, and I was arrested for drunk driving. Uh, my mugshot would not be hidden from the public. And uh, in fact, I would uh, probably find myself in jail with charges brought against me. Uh, and this is a thing that's tearing the country apart. This is what Abraham Lincoln warned about when not everyone abides by the law, by the Constitution. Um, you know, people perceive the unfairness. They don't trust the government anymore. Um, uh, you know, hostility ensues. And, you know, this may seem like some small incident, right, in the grand scheme of things. But I think at this critical moment in time, it kind of puts an exclamation point on what's driving Americans uh, crazy right now, which is this reality that we have abuses of power across the board. 
There's a protected class and it's 9.9 times out of 10, the Democrats, you know, uh, you, you can look at what happened, for example, with Peter Navarro. Uh, uh, I, you know, it's, it's relevant because uh, Peter Navarro, of course, was was held in contempt. He was a, a aide to Trump. He was an advisor in terms of trade. And, you know, this phony J6 committee uh, held him in contempt uh, for not showing up uh, and testifying, even though he exerted uh, his executive privilege, which is the same thing that Democrats have done in the past. And they, they, of course, took it to a grand jury. They have Democrats that had him in leg irons. Drew. They, they hauled him away and they hauled him away in leg irons like it was Guantanamo Bay. It was un- unbelievable. Um, you know, it's you know, it's remarkable. I was with him in a room uh, last Tuesday. I was in Washington, D.C. for an event. And he was six feet away from me. And I get off the plane a couple of days later and I look on the news that Peter Navarro was arrested in shackles. Right. We had him on the show a couple of months ago talking about uh, COVID and, and the response to COVID, which he's which he's written about. Uh, Drew, wish we had more time. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. No doubt. In the meantime, Drew Allen I know you talk about the uh, Peter Navarro case uh, in your latest uh, blog and podcast. So, again, Drew Allen Always a pleasure, my friend. Be well. You too. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. The Cult of Climate Change. Next. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk. Saga 960 AM. Of climate change on the Richard Serrett Show. There you go. The cult of climate change. That's what we do every Wednesday. Just looking at this headline in the Wall Street Journal today. Carbon removal industry draws billions to fight climate change. Nascent technology to pull carbon from atmosphere is fastest growing area in climate finance. It reminds me of that uh, scene in uh, the movie The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman. And uh, he's at his parents' house. There's a, there's a there's a party. He's out by the pool, and one of his father's business advisors or business associates comes up to Dustin Hoffman, and uh, he says one word to him, and he says, "Plastics. That's the future. Plastics," which of course is is true. I mean, in the late '60s, plastics just took off. So now, I guess, if they were remaking The Graduate in 2022, it would be carbon removal carbon removal instead of plastics uh, here to discuss this uh, burgeoning or nascent uh, technology and industry, which sounds to me like a license to print money. Tony Heller, founder of realclimatescience.com. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm good, Richard. How about yourself? Very well, very well. So carbon removal, uh, this burgeoning new industry, and I hear a lot about sequestering carbon, burying it underground, pulling it out of the air and burying it underground. Uh, that's How does that work exactly? And, and my gosh, that, had, that would have to be expensive. Somebody's getting a lot of money for this. Well, yeah, it's, um, it would be extremely expensive to do this and pointless because um, countries in Asia like China and India are bringing hundreds of new coal-fired power plants online. And they don't care about this stuff, so nothing that they're doing will have any impact on the growth of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. 
So it's it, it, it sounds like it's just a scam to generate money for another special interest industry because it, it won't it won't it won't affect the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So, um, someone put a price tag on fixing global warming, and it was one hundred and twenty-one trillion. Dollars, one hundred and twenty-one trillion dollars. I think that's more money than if you add up all of the, the you know, the GDPs of all of the countries in the world. That's probably greater uh, than than that. Uh, one hundred and twenty-one trillion dollars, and I'm, I'm guessing much of that money is probably going to, uh, you know, people like Hal Gore and uh, the people that are that are getting into this uh, carbon removal or carbon capture uh, industry. It sounds to me like a big Ponzi scheme and a huge transfer of wealth to uh, the people that are behind these so-called green technologies. Yeah, it's the same thing which Obama and Biden did, you know, 12 years ago. They they put huge amounts of money into all these green energy firms like Solyndra, and essentially all of them failed. And, you know, what it, is, what it basically is is a way to give kickbacks back to campaign donors. You know, they, they, put, they set up these fake green energy companies. Huge amounts of money flow from the public coffers into these people's pockets. Then the business fails and they walk away with, with the cash. So it, it, you're right. It's, it's a big Ponzi scheme. And it doesn't do anything to affect the climate. It, it's It's... Just it's all based on superstition, and a huge amount of work has gone into building up this these superstitious beliefs in the public mind, so that the public will go along with it. Right, and so we have these the carbon tax up here in Canada, crushing uh, consumers, crushing the middle class, crushing the working class. Um, this, you know this 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 notion that you can solve a so-called existential threat to humanity by taxing people. Imagine if you know during the Second World War we had a Nazi tax. Uh, it's like it's the same thing. You're not going to stop the Blitzkrieg by you know taxing people at the gas pumps. It's you're not going to stop uh, if there was this existential threat. You're not going to stop global warming uh, by taxing people, right? Well, yeah, and that and now. In that case, in World War II, there actually was a threat, whereas the carbon dioxide stuff, the whole thing's a fantasy. It's it's an illusion that's been created as a way to enable all of these schemes. All right, Tony, let's just take a minute and let's uh, tell people how they can watch uh, your videos. You put a lot of time and energy into these videos. They're terrific. Uh, Where can we find them? And these are these are, you know, countering the uh, the man-made global warming narrative, these videos. I put in uh, most of them on YouTube these days. I found that YouTube pretty much leaves me alone if I just stick with the climate stuff, at least for now. Um, and I'm not that this, some of the other things I was talking about aren't that important anymore. So YouTube's the main place, but I've got Rumble, um, BitChute, NewTube, Odyssey um, are, are the main ones. And I always post them on my blogs, which may be that actually the easiest place to find them because I've got a lot of other, other information there, too. And that's at realclimatescience.com. That's correct, yeah. Tony, always appreciate your time. You have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk next Wednesday. Okay, X. Thanks, you too. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com. We didn't get to the story, maybe next time, uh, how the uh, climate change bedwetters are now uh, a new study 
saying that uh, if you're having trouble sleeping, you know, never mind the, uh, you know, the Mike Lindell uh, my pillow. It's not going to help. It's climate change that's doing it. Sure, everything, everything is uh, is because of climate change. Even that lousy sleep you had last night. All right, uh, hour two coming up. Uh, Art Moore from WND will be here, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about this report that puts former President Barack Obama inside the campaign linking Russia to the 2016 election. And uh, we'll also talk about um, more vindication for Dinesh D'Souza's documentary 2000 Mules, which is probing uh, widespread orchestrated election fraud in the 2020 election, presidential election. Now comes word a former Democrat congressman from Pennsylvania has admitted to bribing officials to stuff ballot boxes. Art Moore will be here with that one. And uh, Sue Ann Levy will be here talking about uh, the only black trustee on the Waterloo Regional District School Board. He's been barred from the other trustees because he's not woke enough. All that coming up in hour two. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Hour one, you missed a lot, but do not despair. Still, plenty of great programming ahead here in hour two, uh, including I'm going to revisit a couple of uh, earlier conversations from earlier in the week. Last order of business, we'll uh, hear once again from Kelly Niedert, executive director of Project Texas, or sorry, Protect Texas Kids. Well, it is a project. It's a noble one. Protect Texas Kids. Kelly Niedert and uh, some of her uh, fellow protesters were outside a, uh, a gay bar in Dallas last weekend called Mr. Misters, where as a part of Pride Week, they were holding a, uh, a drag queen event for children. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And some of those videos from inside Mr. Misters appeared on social media. I'm not sure if you saw them. Quite disturbing, to say the least. Small children being encouraged by their parents to participate in um, pretty unsavory behavior. Stuffing uh, $1 bills into the G-string of a scantily clad, scantily clad uh, drag queen. Can you imagine? Uh, so, Kelly Niedert will be here to tell us about that. And uh, Sue Ann Levy from uh, True North and uh, terrific, terrific veteran investigative journalist for many, many years here in the city, formerly of the Toronto Sun. Uh, she'll be here to talk about, once again, the Waterloo Regional District School Board. What a mess. What a mess. Uh, back in April, one of their sensible adult trustees, Cindy Watson, um, raised some concerns and some legitimate questions about the age appropriateness of some LGBTQ material available in the elementary school libraries in Waterloo Region. Is this something that, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds need to, to have access to? She asked. And so she was censored, and uh, the, the chair of the school uh, board basically used the Charter of Rights against her, saying, telling her that she was in violation of the Charter for even raising the question. And then she was suspended and uh, just a mess, really. And then, uh, more recently, the only black person on the Waterloo Region District School Board Mike Ramsey was barred from future meetings until September. So much for diversity and equity, I suppose. <laughs> the only black member on the school board, he's, he's barred from future meetings because he's not woke enough in their estimation. And we spoke with uh, Mike Ramsey uh, yesterday, but we'll replay that one as well because um, it actually does, it ties into Sue Ann Levy. I think Mike was, uh, was suspended. It was... Um, something to do with a code of conduct, and he was retweeting some columns by Sue Ann Levy and Jonathan Kay from the National Post, who appears on this program and, uh, quite frequently as well. All right. Well, this is uh, really getting interesting. I mean, we knew, we know about the um, involvement of Hillary Clinton and her campaign and her lawyers, including Michael Sussman, uh, and their involvement in creating this whole Russian collusion hoax. 
which led to a two-year investigation, really derailed much of the Trump presidency. And it was all done to, uh, to distract the public from Hillary's own email scandal. We know about this. Now comes word that a sitting president was perhaps also involved up to his neck in this. That would have been former President Barack Obama. Here with more on this story is our good friend Art Moore, author at WNT, co-author of See Something, Say Nothing, a Homeland Security Officer Exposes the Government's Submission to Jihad. Art, welcome back. How are you? Hey, thank you, Richard. Doing well. Thanks. So um, I know this is uh, this story comes from it's an investigation by uh, the Epoch Times. They do terrific work as well. Um, So what what level of involvement uh, did the investigation show uh, that Barack Obama had, I guess, in this whole Russian collusion hoax? Yeah, well, first of all, we know that the U.S. intelligence community made a statement back in October 2016 accusing Russia of stealing emails from the Democratic National Committee. Now, these emails turned out to be very embarrassing uh, for Hillary Clinton. And so the the premise was that, you know, somehow the Trump campaign was behind this, that that they wanted to embarrass Hillary. And, you know, the fact is, is the emails spoke for themselves. But the question is, OK, how did they get uh, out? How did they get leaked or released somehow? And And the theory was, and this is along with, Russia being accused of um, uh, or or Trump being accused of colluding with Russia on many different fronts. But this one was specifically regarding these DNC uh, emails. And uh, so the U.S. intelligence community comes out and says, uh, now, we think Russia was behind this. Now, they had no evidence at the time. But the Barack Obama part of this is that Obama comes in and, and lends his uh, approval to it. He says, yeah, go ahead and, and make that statement. But they didn't have any evidence. So they, they were still awaiting these um, server images. So there was this, uh, this tech group called CrowdStrike, and they were supposed to investigate this and, and find out what happened. Uh, but they had not turned over their evidence to the U.S. intelligence agency officials for them to make any kind of judgment. Right. In but other words, the FBI just went on the word of CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike basically said, ah, the Russians stole our, our, our server. And that's how the emails got leaked to Wiki uh, to WikiLeaks. Uh, and the FBI took them at their word. Well, apparently so. And, and the thing is that that even now, uh, CrowdStrike cannot uh, produce a- a- any evidence that, in fact, Russia was behind it. In fact, uh, they they've said, well, re- we really don't know. And and so, you know, this is very much consistent with these other stories we've been following, the other storylines related to Russia. Uh, Hillary Clinton, for example, making this accusation uh, that Trump somehow had this secret back channel communication uh, through a Russian bank's uh, computer server with the Kremlin. So he was communicating with uh, Vladimir Putin through this secret channel that turned out to be a story concocted by Hillary Clinton's campaign. We know that from this case that recently. Michael uh, Sussman, yeah. Michael right. Sussman, right. And then there was the whole thing about the, the Steele dossier. That's the compilation of all these salacious accusations against Trump that turned out to have been just simply uh, hearsay Russian propaganda. Actually, they were Russian sources that were uh, the ones that originated this. 
And 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 so uh, you know the the whole thing, uh, you know, the, this overall arching idea that somehow Trump stole the election from Hillary by colluding with Russia. All of these different storylines uh, fall apart. So now with with Obama, what what uh, the, this investigation is showing, if I'm if I'm understanding this correctly, is so again the FBI was told by Hillary's uh, tech, you know, they hired CrowdStrike uh, after their DNC server uh, got hacked and uh, could have been an inside job. It sounds like it was based on all the reports I've read. Uh, And then it was leaked to WikiLeaks. That was embarrassing. So CrowdStrike said, well, it was stolen by the Russians. They went to the FBI. They didn't turn over any evidence. The FBI and some other intelligent groups, they go to Barack Obama and then he... He encourages them to, to, to put this, to float this story out there, even though, again, as you say, there is absolutely no evidence. It's not like they pressured him into saying, yes, uh, President, Mr. President, this happened. We really need to report this. He was quite, like quite the opposite. He was pushing for them to release this information, right? He, he was. And, and I think it's important to, to realize that this investigation that ended up with the special counsel, Robert Mueller, was started by the Obama Justice Department and FBI. It was under Obama. And of course, you know, with these kinds of you know, nefarious uh, investigations that have to do with, uh, you know, Republican Party presidential nominee, uh, they, they want to try to you know, create some distance uh, with the president that, you know, somehow he was above it all if ever they get caught. But, you know, here's evidence that, that he was involved. And we do have other evidence, too. Uh, some of these texts, these infamous texts between Peter Strzok, who was the lead FBI investigator in the uh, so-called Russia collusion investigation. We know from texts between him and his paramour that uh, that that Obama was watching very closely everything that they were doing. You know, I'm, I'm watching a new series on uh, Amazon Prime with Julia Roberts and uh, Sean Penn called Gaslit, which is about. Uh, Watergate. I don't know if you've happened to, to catch it, but it's absolutely fantastic. Now, you know, it's a dark comedy and obviously the producers are, uh, you know, liberals and, and they're trying to make fun of, uh, you know, the, the, the Republicans. Having said that, it's it's terrific. But what's going on here now with all of this information coming out about Barack Obama, President Barack Obama's involvement in this Russian hoax, Russian collusion hoax. I mean, it makes it makes uh, Watergate look like just, uh, you know, uh, a mere, you know, I don't know, uh, just a minor infraction. Uh, let's take a time out, Art, and if you could uh, come back, we'll talk some more this time about this Pennsylvania uh, former congressman, Democrat congressman, uh, who has been... Uh, well, he admitted to bribing officials to stuff ballot boxes. More vindication for Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 and 2000 mules. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serra Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. So uh, this Pennsylvania, a former congressman from Pennsylvania, Democrat. In fact, he was thrown out of Congress for his criminal behavior years ago. Now he's admitted to multiple new election fraud charges. He bribed a couple of election judges in two Philadelphia wards. Now, Philadelphia, notorious, along with um, Detroit, you know, important, important uh, voting areas in two important swing states that have been controlled by the Democrats 
for generations and generations, and Philadelphia in particular, just known for uh, skullduggery around election time. And uh, this particular uh, individual, Michael Ozzie Myers, bribing judges to uh, stuff ballot boxes, election judges. Now, mind you, these are uh, the, the, these charges re, uh, relate to elections in 2014 and 2018, not the 2020 election. But, you know, if it happened then, in 2014, 2018, you know what happened in 2020. Uh, Art Moore stays with us, author at WND, co-author of See Something, Say Nothing, a Homeland Security Officer Exposes the Government's Submission to Jihad. Uh, Art, so to your mind, is this admission by this Democrat of, you know, bribing officials to stuff ballot boxes, even though it was for the 2014, 2018 election, is this more vindication for Dinesh D'Souza's documentary, 2,000 mules? I think it certainly is because uh, Democrats have been saying that oh, there may be uh, some here and there, but it's not enough to mount to anything. And, and they won't really admit to any uh, cases. But but here's one that goes along with the one in Arizona that we discussed uh, maybe a week ago. Yes. And uh, the, the, the thing is, is that if you look at it closely, you can find many, many cases like this over the years. And you can go back to you know, 1960 the famous uh, U.S. election, JFK versus Richard Nixon. And we, we have a, a narrative that hasn't been denied of the Chicago machine uh, waiting for the, the votes to come in downstate so that they could figure out how many they needed to come up with. I mean, they needed to manufacture in order to put uh, JFK over the top there in Illinois. And uh, as you say, you know, in these big cities, Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, it's been going on for a long time. It's it's just understood uh, that, that that's uh, what has been happening. And yet, when it comes to uh, 2020, we have uh, the Democrats uh, calling any accusations such as you know, have been made in this movie, 2000 Mules, a, a very carefully done investigation based on hard data. But but, you know, any any accusations are, are called the big lie. And in fact, that's that's the premise really for the January 6th investigation going on. Uh, what happened on January 6th, which was obviously uh, you know, a terrible thing. But the, the idea is, is that um, that it was uh, precipitated by uh, Trump uh, putting it over on his people that that somehow the election was stolen and therefore, the whole thing was 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 illegitimate. It was just a, a ruse so that he could, uh, after having lost the election, you know, you know, somehow seize power. But um, when you, you begin with uh, evidence that that the election uh, was fraudulent, then then you see uh, what happened on January 6th in a whole different light and not to excuse. And, and there's so many complications we talked about before with FBI informants and Antifa agitators. But the fact is, is there were a lot of people who were there who were grandmothers and, and fathers and, and good citizens who are really, really upset because they did see some of this evidence that was being ignored, that that there was not uh, what was being called the cleanest election in American history. Right. And and I think people forget, I mean, you Americans have a, a constitutional right uh, to to question the outcome of an election. You have a right to do that. I mean, Hillary Clinton is still claiming that uh, that that Trump was not a legitimate president from 2016 to 2020. Um, 
I mean, you have a right to question the results. Yeah, and, and there's clearly a double standard. I mean, it's not just Hillary, but a number of people in Congress, even even some who are on this January 6th committee, uh, you know, going back to the election between John Kerry and George W. Bush. You know, they say that one was stolen and the one with Al Gore with the hanging chads. And, and so many of these Democrats contested it. And, and actually, you know, they, they did it largely through constitutional means, which is what Republicans were doing on, on January 6th. The uh, Congress is to certify the vote. And, and, and actually, the, the riot uh, interrupted uh, the process. It, it went against Trump. And anybody who thought that there was uh, possibly a problem with that election, it went against their interests because it, it effectively shut it down and caused many Republicans who would have otherwise uh, contested votes in certain states to give up and to say, no way, I'm going to continue you know, in this kind of environment. All right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, 2000 mules still out there burning it up and uh, people watching it uh, saw a Rasmussen uh, poll that uh, it's really resonating with even the Democrats who, who, who watch it. So Dinesh D'Souza's uh, documentary, I think, is, is changing the hearts and minds of many Americans with regards to what happened in 2020. Uh, Art, how do we get a copy of See Something, Say Nothing? Sure. Yeah. Amazon.com probably is the easiest place to get it. Just go there and type in See Something, Say Nothing. Art, you have a great rest of the week. We'll talk soon. Be well. Thanks, Richard. You too. The only black trustee on the Waterloo Regional District School Board has been barred from future meetings until September, at least, because he's not woke enough. That story's next. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. Waterloo Region District School Board trustee Michael Ramsey says he's being silenced by fellow school board trustees because they don't like his opinions. And on Monday night, a couple days ago, in a closed-door meeting, the trustees there voted 6-3 to three in favor of a motion that said Ramsey had violated the school board trustee code of conduct and he was censored and he will not be able to attend committee of the whole meetings until September the 30th. Uh, and he joins me now. Mike, how are you? Good afternoon, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for being here. Uh, any idea why, uh, what led to this, uh, their so-called, uh, they're calling this a breach of trustee code of conduct. Uh, did they share with you what that breach was? Well, the, the uh, alleged breach is uh, largely based on um, uh, a number of tweets of uh, newspaper articles opinion pieces that are written by uh, journalists. Um, I tweeted um, the, the columns out and just asked my followers to uh, read uh, the thread. Um, tweets um, of opinions from journalists such as uh, Jonathan Kay and Sue Ann uh, Levy uh, and others um, that I've retweeted. I simply retweeted. And for that... Um, <laughs> an appointed trustee decided to dispute my uh, charter rights and uh, began a costly uh, review. So you were simply retweeting journalist Sue Ann, uh, Sue Ann Levy and uh, Jonathan Kay, who are both uh, frequent guests on this program, by the way. Um, can you share with us uh, um, what the nature of those newspaper pieces were about? Uh 
I am reluctant to do so at this uh, time because I, I don't want to take the, the chance of um, triggering them into another um, uh, complaint. I mean, I understand that we're dealing with um, six members of the board's uh, NDP caucus who um, pretend to advocate for diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity. But when a black person uh, disagrees with them, well, they, they cancel you or they try to cancel you. Isn't that always the way, right? They're all about, they're all about uh, diversity in everything but opinion, a difference of opinion. That, that is correct. And the sad part about this is that... Um, Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Over 10,000 voters uh, who supported me in the last election, by attempting to silence me, they're silencing those 10,000 voters that uh, supported me. And that's the sad part. And that's what hurts the most because I, I will not be able to um, represent uh, my uh, uh, constituents the way I'd like to uh, until uh, September 30th. But thankfully, I have colleagues uh, such as uh, Trustee Cindy Watson and a couple of others that are willing to step up. And I'm going to be redirecting um, my uh, constituents to, to speak with them for assistance. Ah, wonderful. May I ask, um, when, going back to April, when, when Cindy Watson uh, raised that, that issue of age appropriateness of certain LGBTQ um, material in the libraries, and for that, she was basically, the, the chair used the Charter of Rights as a bludgeon against her when it's not supposed to, it's supposed to work the other way around. But um, how, did you, did you, how did you vote on that? Did you vote with Cindy or... I voted um, with my, my colleague, uh, Trust, Trustee Watson. I voted um, with her. And um, actually, the, the, that is uh, related to a delegation from um, one of her staff who has since um, retired. And um, she was simply there asking questions. Right. And the, the chair um, uh, interrupted and cut her off. So there were some uh, strenuous objections um, uh, to that, and 
after that, I wrote a letter because I think all these things are connected. I wrote. Yeah, a, was, that was my question: whether they are connected. Yeah, yeah, they, I believe they are. I and I wrote a letter to the uh, the Minister of Education, outlining my uh, concerns with uh, some of the things that are taking place at the board um, in uh, in private sessions that I think that are inconsistent with the uh, Education Act. Um, that was on around February the fifteenth. Ten days later, I received a um, the file that I was there was a complaint under the uh, code of conduct, mm. and um, it culminated last night with the uh, the action that was taken to um, to ban me from committee of the whole meetings until September thirtieth and uh, board meetings until June the twenty seventh and uh, in camera items where a lot of discussion and decisions are made and then from those until uh, September thirtieth. Um, uh, you know, I'd like to share, you know, uh, a citizen wrote, I think the citizen summed it up really well. And he uh, wrote an email to me uh, earlier today, and it just said, the board's decision is based on a secret complaint, a secret investigation, and a secret decision by them. Even the reasons for the secrecy are a secret. <laughs> there you go. It's like a star chamber. Yeah, uh, it is. Michael Ramsey is a uh, school board trustee with the Waterloo Region District School Board, and he has been barred from future meetings uh, for not being woke enough, apparently. And um, uh, Michael, you're very courageous, and I want to thank you for coming on. I hope we'll speak again, and good luck to you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank My you. Pleasure. All right. All right, we'll uh, we'll be back, and we'll get some reaction from investigative journalist, True North contributor Sue Ann Levy the uh, author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Back with that conversation right after these. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Well, the uh, Waterloo Regional District School Board has done it again. The hits just keep on coming from uh, that group out there. What a shite show. Uh, we just heard from uh, Michael Ramsey, the uh, the only black trustee on that board and uh, barred from future meetings until September 30th because he's not woke enough. He's got the wrong opinions. And this is what happens when you have this NDB, NDP block, uh, six of them, controlling that school board. And uh, here with... Uh, Further comment, our good friend Sue Ann Levy, investigative reporter, True North contributor, and author of Underdog, Confessions of a Right-Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. Sue Ann, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Very well. I'm very well. What a nice man this uh, Michael Ramsey is, and, and courageous, and obviously he and Cindy Watson, and I guess there's one other on that board. They're outnumbered six to three. Um, he um, he, re- he just uh, told me he received this email from uh, one of his supporters it's, uh, that said, uh, basically, Michael was a victim of a, a secret complaint, a secret investigation, a secret decision, and um, uh, even the reasons for their secrecy is a secret. So this is kind of a, a, a badge of honor because one of the he was you know barred because of a you know breaching a code of misconduct, and apparently that involved retweeting some of your columns and and I guess some of uh, Jonathan Case columns. How do you feel about that? Exactly. Well, it's entirely predictable, but, uh, you know, it, obviously free speech is, is dead in Waterloo region. 
Um, since I posted the story, or since my story was posted yesterday morning, um, the feedback has been tremendous. And I know that Mike has gotten the similar feedback. Only one person, you know, telling me off for actually invading their community and having the audacity to write about it, which was quite funny. But it's quite a little cabal there. And the problem is, as I think we've discussed before, Richard, mm-hmm. parents are just waking up to this wokeness. I don't think they're aware of really what's going on. You've got a school board chairman, Scott Piotrowski, Piotrowski, who already is the subject of a $1.7 million defamation suit filed by Carolyn Berjowski, the teacher who was canceled in January. Then they do this to Mike Ramsey. Um, I don't know why this gentleman, the chairman, has the audacity to even run again, but he's already launched his re-election campaign. They are unrepentant, unapologetic. They operate in their own little cabal, secret cabal, as you said. One thing I noted, by the way, Richard, and I hate to go on about this, but I remember the Toronto School Board, if you remember, I think we chatted about it last uh, December. They've tried to censure uh, trustee Alexander Lulka. And, you know, to their credit, as woke as they are, they made the school board meeting uh, open public. They made the report public. They allowed her to speak and their decision was very public. And what they were you know, trying to censure her about was very public. This is outrageous. And I I would hope the people, the pre- the parents of your of in Waterloo region would pressure them, would get on their backs to try and open up this board. It's ridiculous. Uh, a couple of months ago, I spoke with uh, he's an American um, and he's uh, the founder of this little organization. I think it's uh, the 1776 Project. And his mm-hmm. he's got this little war room set up in his over in his kitchen table. And he's got some volunteers, but mainly what he does is he helps uh, school trustees across America win elections at the school board level. He's trying to to turn school boards conservative. And that's what we need up here in uh, in Ontario in the worst way. And we have uh, elections coming in October, right? Is it October? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Parents, you need to. Well, not only just parents, even if you're not a parent, you have a neighbor with children. And we, we need to start getting involved, either running for school school boards or make sure you bloody well vote in the school board and know who these people are and what they represent. And do a little research on them, because, you know, people tend to just tick off the person they recognize, the name they recognize as trustee. Unfortunately, the the trustee role, well, it used to be that it was just a platform or a stepping stone to become counselor and for bigger and better things. And we know how many counselors in Toronto, for example, were former school trustees and then moved on to Queen's Park, for example. So, you know, it's it's for the ambitious. But now it's even worse because you've got these union backed trustees who are introducing all these crazy policies. You mentioned 77, 1776 project. I also interviewed a woman who heads up the Mums for Liberty. She was featured on the Cheryl Atkinson show a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Tiffany Justice. And she is actually getting requests from Canadian parents about how to find their own organizations here 
to open up school boards. And we sorely need that sorely. Yeah, that's what that's what we need to do. We need to organize on the ground this October and start turning these school boards, uh, not necessarily even conservative. Let's just get some sensible, reasonable people in there. Uh, Sue Ann, always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Richard. Take care. Sue Ann Levy. And don't forget, get your copy of Underdog Confessions of a Right Wing Gay Jewish Muckraker. All right. When we come back. Kelly Niedert will be here from the Protect Texas Kids uh, protest and uh, last weekend protesting a uh, drag queen event for kids held at a gay bar in Dallas, Texas. Stay tuned for that. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, this weekend, down in the great Lone Star State, the Republic of Texas. Uh, in Dallas specifically, there was uh, it was called the Drag the Kids to Pride Drag Show. And I believe the bar in question is uh, it's called Mr. Mister. So they had this drag queen event and I saw videos on Twitter. I don't know if these videos were taken inside Mr. Mister or this was another event, but I saw... Uh, I saw small children partaking in a uh, rather unsavory uh, ritual of shoving dollar bills into the G-string of an exotic dancer. These were drag queens. And uh, there were protesters outside shouting, stop grooming the kids. One of the protesters joins me now. Kelly Niedert is with uh, Protect Texas Kids. Kelly, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, so I, I'm not sure uh, the the video that I uh, that I saw on Twitter was that taken inside Mr. Misters as I described it. Yes, there were quite a few videos that came out yesterday that um, we had some people go in, kind of undercover. Um, and get some videos while most of us were outside protesting. So, yeah, there's a lot of videos of the inside of the bar yesterday. Right. And um, it looked to me as if these were the the parents of these children that were in the background smiling and cheering on. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, parents were there um, handing their kids money to go give to the drag queen as they were walking down. Um, the parents were cheering it on. I mean, they were they were very happy that it was happening. And um, so, does this happen every year at this uh, this establishment in Dallas, Mister Misters? It looked like this is the first time they've done a kids event like this, but they do um, drag brunches pretty much every Sunday. Um, they did say um, inside that they'll be hosting another one for kids um, in the near future. And how, how old, uh, if you uh, had to estimate the, uh, the range in age of these children that were inside Mr. Misters during this uh, drag queen event? So there were some inside that were babies. I mean, they they were pushed out in strollers. And then the oldest I saw, I would say, was maybe 12 or 13. All right. And um, based on the videos uh, uh, that you've seen that came out of Mr. Misters or from eyewitness testimony, how are these children uh, reacting when they were witnessing this and maybe told to participate you know, and shoving dollar bills into the G-strings of these drag queens? 
a lot of the children looked very uncomfortable. Um, the younger ones that were toddlers, I mean, they didn't really know what was going on, but some of the older ones looked very uncomfortable. I also heard that um, there was one that was probably about 12 in there, and his mom was um, telling everyone that he's gay, and he was trying to say, no, he's not. So it was very interesting. They really didn't seem to be um, comfortable being in there. And uh, Protect Texas Kids, is this, uh, you're part of this organization or did you, are you the founder or? Yes, so I'm the executive director of this organization. Uh, We launched about maybe six weeks ago or so. Um, And yeah, this is our first event. We organized this protest. Um, So yeah, we're just um, a group that really cares about protecting kids inside and outside of schools with um, stuff like this, so. All right. And um, who, who called the police? There were multiple people who called the police because as soon as our group got there, there was a little group of these Antifa people um, and they were shoving us, hitting us. And so we called the police to say that, you know, there are people being assaulted um, and that's when the police showed up. So multiple protesters called. All right. And then once they showed up, did you also uh, alert them to what was happening inside? There were there, there were there were children inside a, this bar uh, participating in this event. Yes, we did. Um, we told them what was going on and they told um, my group of protesters that if we moved a little further away from the bar, they would send a couple of officers in to see what was going on. And so we did that. And about 20 minutes after that, um, it was about halfway through the event, there was um, a lot of families coming out of the back door with their kids and there were police surrounding them. And so we thought that the police took these kids and their families out because they shouldn't have been there. Um, but, and the police told us that too. They told us they, they made sure all the families with kids were out. Um, but the Dallas PD is denying that and they're just saying they were there for crowd control. So I don't know if they really cared what was going on inside, but they pretty much lied to us about, you know, taking the kids out. All right. Uh, Kelly Niedert is uh, the executive director of Protect Texas Kids, and uh, they were protesting outside uh, a gay bar in Dallas, Texas over the weekend. Mr. Mister is inside. There was a drag queen event, uh, scantily clad um, drag queens and small children participating. Uh, Just rather disturbing, to say the least. How do we follow you on Twitter, Kelly? Um, you can follow us on Twitter. We are, um, I believe we are, let me check. Yep, it's going to be protect underscore TX underscore kids, and that's our account. That's us. Protect underscore TX, as in Texas, underscore kids. Protect mm-hmm. underscore TX underscore kids. Kelly, thank you so much for this. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Kelly Neeter. All right. Um, Jacob, I thought that was a pretty good show. Declan, yeah, what would you give that out of 10 if you were an Olympic judge? Seven from Jacob? Seven? What are you, you must be the French judge, right? The French judge always scores hard. And Declan, you're giving this an eight? Why, why an eight? An eight out of 10? Wow, you guys are tough. Because of you? You did a great job. No, that was an 8.7 or a 9. An 8.7, 9, 9.2. 
and then a seven from Jacob. You're I'm part of this critic. show. You're indicting, you're indicting yourself. You're part of this show. You're a vital part of this show. You're the lifeblood of this show. And you, you know what it is? You know what it is? We, we've got we've got better in us. I'm, okay. I'm, we, all right. Okay. There's always that's what it is. I, all right. I like your attitude. All right. He sets the bar very, very high. That, yeah, that's commendable. A seven. All right. Well, we'll 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 go at it again tomorrow, and we'll get him. Uh, Kay Smythe will be here. She's a reporter for Daily Caller. She's going to talk about uh, global food shortages. They're starting to show up in places like Europe, and she'll tell us what we need to know. And of course, our in defense of women segment. All right, a seven. That's it for me. That's it for you too, Jacob. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and eh, Declan. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow at four to do it all over again, God willing. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. A seven. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.